Hello friends and welcome to Mendu Disney, episode number 132, Best in Class. I'm Pete. No, I'm I'm Tom. And joining me tonight is Matt. What's up everybody? And just just Matt. So just just Tom and Matt. We are three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. We toyed about calling this one the episode without Pete, but Pete has been on like every episode, so we just didn't want to throw that out there like he, he's, a, he's a Matt or something. You know, we, we, we talked about the one without Pete. We, we talked about the episode without Pete. And yeah, this is this is really rare. This might be, I don't know, the second or third episode where Matt and, and I were, were kind of doing it on our own. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully we don't mess it up too badly. I don't think so. I'm excited for Pete to have to edit this one, though. That'll be a lot of fun. That's right. So as I mentioned in the intro... Title name, best in class. We're going to be talking about what makes Walt Disney World the best theme park in the world in our eyes. I think we have 20 or so items we're going to talk through. Uh, But before we get there, let's dive into the news. We're going to start with kind of what what we've seen in the parks or what I've seen in the parks. And then we're going to to go to some policies and some attraction news we have that that I want to talk about. Uh, But starting into the parks... Epcot and Hollywood Studios have now opened, and it's been really it's been a, an interesting dynamic to watch. You know, Magic Kingdom was was the most crowded park when it was Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom, and now Magic Kingdom could still be the most crowded, but from a wait time standpoint, it, it doesn't it doesn't suggest that it is. You know, we haven't we as the podcast, Matt, Pete, myself, we haven't been down there yet, but if you look at wait times on the app, you know, Magic Kingdom has a few rides that creep into the long wait time, Splash Mountain being one of them, um, obviously with nobody knowing when that's going to close. But if you look into Hollywood Studios, obviously Rise of Resistance is there. Not, not going to be a wait time attraction. That's a virtual queue attraction, which we're going we're gonna to talk about. But, you know, Slinky Dog, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, sometimes Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster. You go to Epcot, you look at Frozen, you look at Test Track, and you look at Soarin'. You know, the, those parks are eating up crowds. And here's my theory on it. Animal Kingdom doesn't, just doesn't pull the crowd that, that other parks do. You know, Flight of Passage, which is maybe the best attraction at Disney, and not in my eyes, but to some people it is, it has four theaters. So, right, you know, Flight of Passage, is it's a an attraction that is popular, but it, it can handle a huge capacity. So in a, in a low low capacity park with a huge capacity attraction, you're going to move through people pretty quickly. If you If you go over to... Magic Kingdom, there's so many attractions to spread folks across. That's fine and dandy. If you go to Epcot, not a lot of attractions. So a lot of people are spending time in the World Showcase. Unfortunately, a lot of the stores are closed. Some of the you know food vendors are closed. You know, Kringla in Norway is one of them that I do believe is still closed. So you're seeing an increased wait time on attractions like Test Track, Soarin', Mission Space, Frozen, you know, those type of attractions. And if you look at Hollywood Studios, it's kind of the same thing. You don't, you don't have a ton of attractions from a pure standpoint of what is an attraction, like a ride. But you have a lot of shows that just aren't being shown right now. You know, think of Indiana Jones, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Frozen Sing-Along. 
uh, and, and Disney Junior. You know, I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm missing some, but those aren't being shown right now. And you have some shops that are closed. So where are people going to go? That they're going to flood into Toy Story Land. They're going to flood into, you know, Galaxy's Edge. They're going to flood into Rock and Roller Coaster Tower of Terror area because where else are they going to go? You've seen an increase in wait times. Yeah, I, I don't know what Disney's capacity is at right now. Maybe maybe 20 or 30%. I mean, I, I have some numbers that I've read. I, I don't know how reliable they are, but maybe 20 to 30% within uh, within the park. So it has been a uh, an interesting week since the last podcast. As we kind of look at some news, you know, Disney's continued to strengthen their position and uh, forcefully say, hey, here, here are the masks you're going to wear, right? We talk, we've talked about this on past episodes, but but you have to have a, a mask for all guests required in theme parks, except in the rest areas or the relaxation areas, I think Disney calls them. But you can remove your mask for eating and drinking, but Disney's going to continue to watch for guests roaming around the park with their mask removed. You know, that that's something we've talked about is, okay, I'll just keep buying a drink and walking around. I, I think Disney's going to continue tightening that restriction. You know, another another point we've seen is now annual passholder discounts. They've gone up. They've gone up to 30% through August 14th of 2020. Disney needs to sell revenue. And right now, if you if you look at who's going, it, it's typically your your uh, in and out of state annual pass holders. And you have some park guests who just bought a ticket and had a vacation plan. But Disney's going to continue to incentivize people to buy Disney products. So if you're an annual pass holder out there, that that's one thing to look for. One note I'd like to make is that Star Wars: Rise of Resistance has obviously the new virtual queue boarding passes three times a day. I've been paying attention to this. Not that I'm trying to make a boarding pass, but I, I've just been kind of watching. It it is selling out in about two to three minutes per time frame. So 10, 1, and 4 p.m. You can log on to the app or, or, or pull up the app and, and go for a boarding group. By 10.02, by 1.02, by 4.02, it is quote-unquote selling out, right? And another, another item I want to mention on that is the fact that sometimes – you can't get a boarding pass at one or four because they haven't moved through the 10 a.m. boarding passes. So if you're going to Disney World and you want to ride Rise of Resistance, you need to you need to plan to be there at 10 a.m. Because if, if, you, if you unfortunately miss out on a boarding pass there, you have another chance. But I will tell you, right now we've seen Rise of Resistance breaking down quite a bit. And you want to, you want to give yourself the best chance you can to ride it. So get that 10 a.m. boarding pass. Be there, even if you're even if your boarding pass group fifty eight, right at ten a.m. You probably still have a decent chance to ride it. You don't want to risk being the one p.m. or the four p.m. slot. Now, last thing I want to talk about: Disney has closed three attractions, like confirmed announcement. So, Primeval World probably shouldn't come to as a surprise to our listeners. We've talked about that one going down for quite some time. You know, the the attraction itself is not in the worst shape for what it is. It's not a very good attraction, but it's they've maintained it well from a appearance standpoint, functionality. Not a bad attraction. Would not be surprised to see this get sold to another theme park. Stitch's Great Escape, a long time coming. I'm glad Disney finally announced it. You know, it, it had kind of turned into a meet and greet. But as Disney says, Stitch has now left the building. So that one's gone. The one that's really, really surprising to me is Rivers of Light. And 
I'm not a fan of Rivers of Light. You you all know that if you're a listener to this podcast of, of even a week. If you, if you started last week, you probably know I hate Rivers of Light. But I will say this. Disney is working on, you know, not showing fireworks shows. They don't have parades right now. Projection shows. Anything that, that forces people to congregate in a tight area, Disney's, you know, stopping to – they've stopped those shows, and I don't know what it's going to look like in the future. And this is not being funny, but Rivers of Light was an attraction or a show where you could socially distant – distance yourself from other people pretty easily because it's a, it's a large theater. It's an outdoor theater and you know, the, the, you could pretty easily regulate who's coming in there. They've now confirmed that it's canceled. Here's my thought while it's canceled. I don't see it coming back. You know, Disney can't do like a fireworks show per se in animal kingdom because obviously it's, you know, f- chalk full of animals and, and that's not safe. So what I think Disney could do is take the Epcot Forever show from Epcot and use some of the floats and the vehicles that were used in that show and maybe invest them into a Animal Kingdom show because there's no way they're not going to use that theater. Now, that's my thought based on the fact that they invested so much money into Rivers of Light, so much technology, and it didn't work. But we've all said if you go back to the Disney shows that are successful, there's a story with them. And so... I've always said that I thought Epcot Forever had a decent story. You'd have to tweak it, of course, because it fits Epcot's you know, mantra more than it would Animal Kingdom today. But you have the vehicles, you have the equipment, you have some of the ideas that you maybe could implement into Animal Kingdom. And, uh, and of course, you know, retire Rivers of Light and all the... Uh, vehicles and equipment that were used for that. But that was probably the most surprising to me because that is a show Disney could have done with a socially distant crowd versus all the other shows they've canceled. Galactic Spectacular, Happily Ever After, you know, Epcot Forever. All, all of those shows are really difficult to socially distant people. Rivers of Light wouldn't have been. It's a theater. You know, think like Fantasmic, right? You could socially distant folks in, in Fantasmic. But they chose to cancel Rivers of Light, and it really it, it really was not a popular show. It's not just my opinion. It, it was not a, a popular show. So what Disney does there will, will be really interesting. You know, I it, it's they gotta make a decision. They they need a they need a winning nighttime show there. And I think as they look to the 50th, this is a good opportunity to hit the reset button. Nobody's gonna hold it against them right now. You know, Rivers of Light was again not a good show, but no one's gonna freak out. That a show's been been taken away from the uh, from the Disney Park. So a big week of news. You know, it's a lot of things are going unnoticed because everyone's just kind of watching the reservation system. They're watching the nighttime shows, but the fact that that Rivers of Light has been canceled is music to my ears. And hopefully, they find a way to implement a uh, an improved show in that area because it, it's a nice theater. I've sat I've sat in the. Uh, you know, in the area to watch it, it reminds me a lot of Fantasmic's Theater. So if they could find something to fit, that'd be good. You know, the other question that's popping around Disney blogs and the Disney websites is, well, what's going to happen to Dino Land? You, you know, you're getting rid of Primeval World. Is this kind of the moment where you where you pull the plug on Dino Land altogether? I don't know. I mean, Zootopia has been something that, that as a rumor that pops around. But Joe Rohde has said that Zootopia is not going to be in the parks. Jungle Book could fit, Tarzan could fit, 
I mean, you could force a few different things in there. And I think, you know, financially Disney's strapped right now. They're working through a lot of projects that were on the docket that aren't on the docket anymore. We've talked about Spaceship Earth. Mary Poppins has now been canceled. Not canceled, postponed, indefinitely, maybe canceled. So, you know, I don't know that Disney's going to jump in and want to invest a lot of money into redoing Dino Land and, and turning that into Jungle Book or Tarzan or Zootopia. I mean, whatever they may choose. You know, Indiana Jones would obviously fit the dinosaur attraction, but there are rumors swirling. So, I think the way Disney Disney does renovations, though, I mean, you had Animal Kingdom that pretty much got got completed, and they started talking about Epcot attractions and, and renovations, Magic Kingdom attractions, renovations, Hollywood Studios. You had Hollywood Studios get completed. So now, you're, now, now it's an Epcot and Magic Kingdom's court. So what Disney's ultimately going to do with Animal Kingdom is is years away because they've already taken care of Animal Kingdom for the moment. You know, they've taken care of Hollywood Studios for the moment. They are they are now working on, you know, Magic Kingdom and Epcot and what that's going to look like. We'll have to wait and see. But I do think ultimately Dino Land is, is going to see some sort of renovation, maybe an entire you know, gut it out and redo it. I just don't know. So uh, a lot has gone on this week in Disney News, aside from the fact that the parks are now all open. You know, we're planning to go there in the near future. Um, but it, it's uh, it'll be interesting to watch, and I highly recommend you guys, you know, paying attention on our podcast and also, you know, checking out your own content, going to YouTube, going to the Internet, read what you can if you're planning a trip and kind of want to know what's going on. So. That's it all. That's uh, that's all I have for the news. Uh, before we get to the main topic, let's hear from our sponsors at Kingdom Strollers. So your family is coming to Orlando, and the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. So Matt, talking about best in class, I mean, we, we have a Disney podcast, so we obviously believe that Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida is the best theme park in the world. Now, we have not had the opportunity to visit, of course, every theme park in the world, and we haven't actually had the opportunity to visit every Disney theme park in the world. So some of this is going to be based off our own personal experiences. And, you know, we kind of looked at the data and what is the most visited theme park in the world? It's Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. So I think that speaks to the popularity worldwide and why this is the most desired theme park for people to visit across the entire globe. And on top of that, the Magic Kingdom is the is actually the park that has the most attendance worldwide. So it's not just Walt Disney World, but it actually is the Magic Kingdom is the most popular theme park in the entire world. 
obviously, like Tom said, we have we have a Disney podcast. We love Disney. We love all things Disney. We especially love going to the parks. So in this episode, we're just going to talk about things that are separators for us. You know, we always talk about the Disney difference, and um, we're going to break down a lot of that today. But to start out, Tom, I think the biggest thing for me is more parks equals more fun. At Walt Disney World, you have four different lands right now. And inside those lands, you have more lands. You have a uniqueness to the parks. Um, you know, kind of talking about the new attractions in Toy Story Land and Pandora, the World of Avatar, and now Star Wars. I mean, coupled with Epcot, coupled with the World Showcase, Future World. I mean, you're talking about Animal Kingdom. You're talking about Hollywood Studios. There's just so much to do at Walt Disney World that more parks equals more fun and more attractions and lands equals more fun. Yeah, I think that's a really good, really good area to start. You know, as I mentioned, we have a list of about 20 items we're going to talk through. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no order to them. You know, Matt and I both brainstormed to put these together. And the first thing that jumps out to us and people that, that we know personally that have visited other theme parks and other Disney World or, or Disney theme parks, it's more par- it's more parks, more fun, right? You have Magic Kingdom, you have Animal Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios. You also have water parks. I know that's not the big ticket item, but you do have two water parks in Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon. And if you're comparing just strictly in the United States to Disneyland versus Disney World, much different. You're going to have a lot more opportunities to to experience you know various parks and various lands within those parks. As Matt alluded to, our point number two was new attractions and new lands. Disney World is in a state where it's constantly expanding and changing. And so we talked about Toy Story Land, which is open now. Galaxy's Edge is open now. You have Pandora, the World of Avatar. And then there are now more attractions coming to the Magic Kingdom, to Epcot. Uh, There's a lot going on at Disney World. 100%. And you think about new attractions and new lands. And another cool thing about Walt Disney World is that there's so much intellectual property there that's tied to it. So there's really endless ideas for new attractions. So I love that. I think that's fantastic. That's one of the best parts about Disney. And, you know, talking about new attractions and lands, Tom, I mean, if you don't go to Disney World, you know, at least once a year, if you're one of those folks that goes, you know, once every five years, once every 10 years, even maybe once every three years, and nowadays even once every two years, every trip is different because so much changes at Walt Disney World all the time that, you know, your first trip is not going to be like your second trip and your second trip is not going to be like your third trip. So I love that. And and talking about, you know, being at Walt Disney World and wanting to spend time there, hotel options. I mean, there are over 25 Disney hotels and resorts. So you have you have a price point for every budget. You have the luxury and the amenities for every budget. And you stay right on Disney property. So it's not like you have to you know, stay in a hotel that could be any, you know, chain hotel and then make your way to Disney each day. Disney makes it very easy for you to enjoy yourself while you're at Walt Disney World. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, we're talking about how frequently can you visit Disney World? So it, it's a it's a large area. I mean, it's 25,000 plus acres, right? And so to experience it in one trip is just, it's not possible unless you're going for a really extended period of time. And when we, when Matt talks about the new attractions that have come in the new areas that have come, it may take multiple trips to experience in those, but along the way, the entire time, the parks are continuing to change and evolve. And so it is something that's a repeatable trip. Unlike, um, you know, I can use Six Flags, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of Six Flags, there's Bush Gardens around, around our country. 
you know, you kind of go there once, you do the roller, they're great, right? They're great thrill roller coasters. There's no real story to them. There's no real, um, there's really nothing that pulls you back. It's like, yeah, we, Matt and I both have done Bush Gardens before and it was a hey, great trip. Well, I've been there, done that, but we continuously want to go to Disney World because of all the up and coming things uh, that Matt mentioned. One of those being the hotel options he talked through. 25 plus hotels at Disney World. You have DVC options at Disney World. You also have, you know, your your moderate resorts, your value resorts, your deluxe resorts. You have your Disney Springs area hotels. So you you can every budget can be uh, can fit here. And that's not something that every theme park has where they kind of bring you under their wing and allow you to stay on their property and handle everything for you. And we talk about that all the time. And we're talking about hotels. We're kind of starting your Disney trip now. But if you're flying into flying into Orlando to go to Disney World, they have Magical Express that picks you up at the airport. I mean, Disney has a white glove service for you from the time you land in Orlando until you, know, you depart and go back to your house. So the Magical Express from the airport is just a... I call it a white glove because I just do think that's a separator that other theme parks around the world just don't have. Um, and then when you talk about, you know, once you're there, you know, Disney helped you get there. You're in the hotel, you're on Disney property. Now you're in the Disney bubble. And the Disney bubble is so much fun. <laughs> when you're there, you you really do feel like you're you're still a kid. And you feel like everything's amazing. Everything's new. Everything's interesting. And you don't have to worry about how am I going to get from point A to point B. Disney has transportation. You don't have to worry about how am I going to pay for things. You have a magic band where you don't have to carry a wallet. You have everything around you to make you feel like you're. Put it this way, Tom. Tell me if I'm if I'm you know off base here. But a lot of times I go to theme parks. I don't feel like I'm on vacation. I feel like I'm trying to do everything as fast as humanly possible. But at Disney, when I go for a couple of days. That's what separates it. You can stay in Disney for seven days and not do everything as opposed to going to Bush Gardens or Universal Studios or a Carowinds where you can knock that out in half a day or, an, or a day. But the Disney bubble is so expansive that you can spend a lot of time there and actually feel like you're on vacation. Yeah, I think the Disney bubble, you know, that's all that, right? We talk transportation. We talk Disney first class service. And, and when you talk about a vacation – you can have a vacation at Disney World. Now, I am one that says sometimes you need a vacation after the vacation because Disney World is a tiring place to visit because you are going around parks. It is a lot of walking. You are in the Florida heat. But I think what Matt's alluding to is people don't vacation, per se, to a Bush Gardens. I mean, it, it's for sure, it's it's definitely something you're, you're in the Florida area maybe and you do a day over at Bush Gardens. But I don't know that people are traveling from around the globe to go visit these places like they are at Disney World. And and as we we kind of touched on transportation in the Disney bubble, whether that's the Magical Express from the airport or that's the buses that are at Disney. Now, you know, post-COVID-19, it looks a little bit different with how many people can fit on the buses at once and the Skyliners and uh, all that jazz. But here's something that I think is neat, and, and I'm starting to consider this when I plan my trips. When I look for a hotel, I want two forms – of two modes of transportation. So Disney has boat transportation. They have monorails, they have skyliners, they have buses, they have minivans, which are an extra cost. So we'll leave those out. But if you look back to the ones that are included in your own Disney property stay, it's buses, skyliners, boat transportation, monorails. And to give yourself the best ability to navigate this massive place, you want to have multiple routes to get to the parks without having to get in your own vehicle and drive to them yourself. And so it's kind of the everything else that comes with Disney World. 
that includes Disney Springs, which is a whole another you know item in the Disney bubble, you know, on Disney property that is free of charge. Uh, you don't have to stay on Disney property to visit it. There's actually free parking there, but it to me is now a big enough part that it makes Disney World, you know, one of the best theme parks in the world because you have that that uh, ability to go visit Disney Springs as well and still stay in the Disney bubble, but get some relief from the Disney in your face all the time. And that's that's something that, like you said, is it's kind of a breath of fresh air um, when you have everything that's on Disney property. You know, you can. Make your vacation truly a vacation. Do what you want to do. I mean, great restaurants. You're talking about Disney Springs. Great places to shop. Um, another thing that, you, that a lot of people like to do on vacation is go golfing. And Tom, you and I both love to play golf. There are actually five golf courses on Disney property, and they're good golf courses. I mean, they're they're maintained. They're you know better than you know probably a lot of a lot of golf courses that might be in your hometown. And I mean, they have caddies available for you. You can actually go out and have a really good time. And I do know some friends who have a have a dad that doesn't really like Disney World. And when he's a, when he goes to the family, he's definitely playing golf. I, I would love to play golf, Tom. I mean, I think if we ever took a another trip, and you know, we were going to say, you know, we're going to make it longer than a weekend. You know, say like five to seven days. I think a golf day would be awesome. I think this is a, a good point because we're talking about Disney theme park, and you're probably like, "Man, golf? Well, yeah, it's its own property. You know, if if you've never had the opportunity to play on the golf course there, they have the golf courses. Or if you're more of a putt putt fan, they have a they have two putt putt courses. One of which is definitely geared more toward the the children. It's uh, your goofy kind of tourist beach putt putt course, and then the other one is like a top five putt putt course in the country. Uh, it is very difficult. It is it is one that they would uh, advise maybe older, maybe not the not the little ones, but maybe you know teenage years and older would play this one because it is a challenging putt putt course. That's all considered in Walt Disney World. You know, it's right there by by a Disney resort, and so those are other things that come with why we believe Disney World is the best park in the world. I'll tell you another aspect we haven't hit. You know, when you go to Universal, you have really two choices. You can go wait in standby lines all day, or you can buy their VIP pass. I don't know exactly what they call I it. I think it's called I think it's called an Express Pass or Express Express Lane, something like that. And if you go to Disneyland, you can buy a Max Pass at Disneyland, which is essentially a souped up fast pass that they have at Disney World. Well, pre COVID nineteen and I don't know what this is going to look like afterward, obviously. But right now, there's no FastPass available. But FastPass Plus was included with everyone's visit. Whether you stayed on or off property, you had FastPass Plus. Now, there were some advantages of staying on property because you could set FastPasses earlier. But this is not an extra charge for your trip. You know, you have the ability to, to make those FastPasses and try to dictate your day at Disney World. And I feel like, and, I, and I, don't quote me on this because I haven't been to every park and researched every park in the world. But everyone that I've been to, if you want one of these type passes, you know, skip to the front of the line, for lack of a better term, it's, it's an extra charge. I mean, I, my wife and I went to Carowinds. I can remember this. In the, we were there for like a Halloween event. Carowinds was a park in North Carolina. And I believe, you know, we were an hour in and had ridden one attraction and we only had three hours left for the event. It pretty much forced my hand to buy the VIP pass that got us to the front of the line. And that VIP pass was essentially the same price as a park, more than a park admission ticket that we paid. And Disney World doesn't force you to do that 
uh, at the time of this recording. Now, maybe one day in the future they will. I'm not sure. But at the time of this recording, it's it's not an extra charge. And I think especially for, for Disney World, when we talk about how big Disney World is, there really just isn't that requirement, Tom. Because other parks are trying to get you to spend as much money as possible in that one day you might be at the park. Or in that two days you might be visiting the park. If you're, you know, you're going to Universal and you want to try and do a day in each park. But at Walt Disney World, you don't have to do that. But I do like the fact that, you know, for us, you know, we can plan a little bit better than some folks and we have an advantage, but everybody has that opportunity for at Walt Disney World. And, you know, we always talk about Disney can be expensive and it can be, but I'm just thankful that they're not, you know, forcing this on us right now, which is, it's kind of fun. I mean, it kind of reminds me of going to the Masters Golf Tournament where everything's still inexpensive and everyone's equal. Now, Disney, obviously, you know, there's different brackets where you can go eat different places and spend more money. But what I'm saying is like when you walk into the parks, same when you walk into the Masters Tournament, like you're on equal footing with everybody else to do whatever you'd like to do. I wish Disney's food and beverage cost were similar to the Masters because you pay an exorbitant amount of money to get into the Masters. But once you're in, Everything is is you know two a dollar or two dollars for a drink. I mean it's really inexpensive. Disney World doesn't do that on the food and and uh, drink, but they do that on the fast pass. I mean it's it's fair game for everybody. It sure is. And one of the things before we go too much back into the parks, Tom, I want to touch on Disney's wild wide world of sports. They're basketball tournaments every year there. I mean, there are basketball tournaments that college, that college basketball teams come and play in every year at Walt Disney World, and it's on ESPN. It's a great time. But also AAU tournaments. Um, a lot of folks go to wild, wide world of sports, but you also think about like the marathons. I mean, I know, Tom, your wife's done a half marathon in Walt Disney World. These are things that you, know, you just don't really see in other parks. At least I don't. Maybe I haven't paid attention. But different things to draw multiple people in from diverse backgrounds and just, I mean, you've, you've told me, Tom, when you walk around after your wife has run the half marathon and she has her medal on, like people, people notice and people say that's awesome. Cast members reach out to you and, you know, that's a way to really enjoy the parks. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, obviously your wife's done it, but that'd be cool to run a half marathon if I could ever get myself in shape to run around Walt Disney World. What other theme park is doing this? Maybe, And, and I'm sure we'll have people on Twitter or email us and tell us, but from from where where we are geographically in our experiences, you don't see this everywhere. And And if you do, it doesn't garner the same level of attention that Disney has. I mean, the, the for example, the marathon, even under the trying economic times in our country right now, the marathon's not cheap and it's still sold out within minutes. I mean, people are willing to say, okay, here's my hard earned money. I still am going to spend it to go to Disney world. And that speaks volumes. Yeah. And when, when you get down to like that level of it, it's just, like I said, that's a differentiator. I think it's really fun and really something to, to remember if you, if you like that sort of thing, maybe you didn't know about it, you know, definitely go to Disney and, and plan around a half marathon, especially if you can you know, get, Get in the marathon. I know Tom said it sells out in minutes, but I'll tell you one thing. I would not want to run all 25,000 plus acres of Walt Disney World. <laughs> that that would be a bear. I don't want to sign up for that that marathon. But Disney is just huge, guys. Like If you haven't been before, I'm, I'm sure most of our listeners have been to Disney, love Disney like we have, but it's a really big place that has a lot of room to continue to grow as we talked about future lands, future attractions. But that's that kind of talks about the Disney bubble as well. And I don't know if you want to add more to that, but I just wanted to kind of let folks know how big Disney is. Yeah, and I, and I think the the next half of the episode, we'll spend some time talking about being in the Disney parks. And before I get before we dive into that, I want to kind of give a shout out, especially now with the parks just reopening and the level of commitment that Disney has from their cast members. 
this is 100% a differentiator on why we believe Disney World is the best park in the world. Now, this is not a slight at Disneyland or any other Disney park across the world because I'm sure the level of service and the, the attention to detail is very similar. I, there's a reason that large corporations turn to Disney to ask for advice on training and picking the right employees. You know, cast, cast members are what they're called at, at Disney World. But the cast members make a difference. If, if Pete were on this episode, he has countless stories of his times at Disney when a cast member's made a difference. I have countless stories, you know, where a cast member overhears you saying, man, you know, one thing I really wanted to do today was ride that ride, and we, we're just run out of, we've run out of time. And they say, hey, here's, here's a fast pass. Or, you know, a, a child buys, uh, a, you know, a parent buys a child an ice cream bar or a box of popcorn, and they accidentally drop it. The cast member immediately packs another box of popcorn or grabs another frozen Mickey, uh, a Mickey bar uh, or Mickey ears and hands it to the, to the child because they want to go the extra mile. They truly do, and I don't think they get the level of respect that they deserve. Matt has a friend that works at Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. I know her personally, and I see, see the smile she puts on kids' faces. She genuinely loves her job at Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. So they find the right people. Yeah, and cast members are just next level at Walt Disney World. I can't tell you how many times I've been not just in parks, but just all over, all over, you know, just day to day life. And when you work with people in room, not not even just work with them, but if you, you know, go to a restaurant and you can tell the person really doesn't enjoy their job, it just makes a difference. And I think that's what Disney cast members do. They really do make a difference. Well, and and to talk about you're comparing it to restaurants, right? Other theme parks. I mean, we've all been to the the Six Flags, the Busch Gardens, the Carowinds, the you know, Cedar Point, whatever it is. I'm not saying those cast members don't work really hard or those employees there don't care, but it just feels different at Disney World. And maybe I'm biased to Disney World, but this is coming from two guys who have never worked there, have never had any direct family work there. So we really don't have a reason to to uh, scream at the top of, of the rooftops about them, but they just have made a difference for our trips. 100%. And, you know, talking about the cast members, a lot of people don't realize this, and I guess like I stay in that bubble that still when I go to Walt Disney World, like I see the I see the shows, and I just think, oh well, that's Belle on stage. These are cast members, very very talented cast members. You just don't think of them that way, but Disney has elite talent that's putting on performances every day for their guests. Let let's talk let's talk about that for a minute. So I've always heard the rumor that Disney will sometimes try a show in the parks to see if it could cut it on Broadway. They'll try like an abbreviated version of it. And so I, I'm looking through and thinking about the shows that I've, I've had the opportunity to see. You know, Lion King is an Animal Kingdom. Now, that's not the Broadway version of Lion King, but it's still a really good show. You have Finding Nemo. You have Indiana Jones, Spectacular. You have Beauty and the Beast. You have Fantasmic. You have uh, Frozen Sing-Along. You have Little Mermaid. And I'm sure there are some I'm forgetting off the top of my head. These are well put on productions. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that Every trip, you need to go see every show. But let's not kid ourselves. This is a big perk. You don't see this level of talent, consistency, and excellence in shows at other theme parks in the world on a daily basis. And that's one thing that blows my mind. When I go to Disney, I thought about this on the Disney cruise, but when I go to Disney and I'm going to see a show, these cast members are doing that show five to seven to eight times a day at times. I only go see it once. Can you imagine how difficult of a job? And then after five days, I leave and go home. They're still there every single day. You know, there's obviously they have days off, but they are working their tail off to make the same magical moment for other people. It's really crazy to think about. 
And one thing that I will say, you know, please go enjoy this talent, you know, respect the talent that's that's a work at Disney World. We, we talk we love the cast members. Cast members are our favorite people on planet Earth, bar none. I think we would all agree with that. If he was here, he'd say the same thing. But a show is a great time when you're in Disney World, especially during the summertime, to go cool off. And kids love going to shows because they know all the songs. They know all the characters. It's a great way to kind of rejuvenate your day without having to, you know, sacrifice, you know, sitting on a bench or something like that. No doubt. And and I know we're talking about the best part in the world, but sometimes you do need a little break in the day or a little air condition or a shady spot with a fan to uh, enjoy a Disney treat. You know, another reason and another thing that stands out for me at Disney World, it's the characters. So we, we've talked about the shows, and certainly there are characters in these shows, whether it's a stage show in the Magic Kingdom uh, or all the shows that you can see throughout well, the Animal Kingdom and Epcot and in Hollywood studios, but you know, the character meet and greets. And I say all this, not knowing what that's going to look like in the future. Right now they're not doing character meet and greets, uh, but they will do, they will, I hope bring those back in the future. That's something that as I think back as a child, unbelievably child, ch- unbelievable childhood memories. And so uh, the characters are, are certainly a part of it. I know universal has tried to incorporate characters, but it, it hasn't stuck like Disney has because they don't have it's not a nostalgia factor that you have with the Disney characters and Disney movies that you experienced growing up. And I think on that universal end as well, there is literally nobody in the world that can recreate Mickey Mouse. I mean, Tom, just think about it. We didn't really grow up on necessarily Mickey Mouse being the movies we watched. Like it wasn't the animated features. We were watching the Lion King, the little mermaid. We were watching the, I mean, we watched some classics like the jungle book, but like even Fantasia, sure. I saw it. But the reason that we connect with Mickey and Goofy and Minnie and Donald Duck and Daisy and Pluto is not because of any movie we have, you know, a past history with. It's just that's quintessential Disney. That's why we go to the parks. And I think that's what separates Disney. For whatever reason, no other parks can can emulate that or even recreate it. That's a really good point because we didn't grow up watching. I mean, sure, we watched Disney Channel and Mickey Mouse Club and whatever, but it was it was definitely more when you go to Disney and you meet those characters. Whether that's through, you know, another point that we why we think Disney's the best park in the world, character dining meals or dining options for all. Uh, but whether we met those characters through the meals or, or whether we met them throughout the park, that's something that is it 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 has a ton of attention. It has long lines. People want to do it. Kids want to do it. Tom, who, who's your favorite Disney character? I mean, I'm, it's Mickey Mouse. Yeah, and for me, it's Donald Duck, and I think for Pete, it's Mickey as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and I go back to what's my favorite character? What's my favorite breakfast in Disney World? Chef oh. Mickey's. Yeah, I Chef mean, Mickey. And it's a character meal. And and I'm a you know I'm a grown man, but if if my wife goes and she's like, hey, let's get breakfast somewhere. Let's let's do like a sit down breakfast. I'm pushing so hard for Chef Mickey's. It's it's like crazy. Or I will agree to Garden Grill. But guess who else is at Garden Grill? Mickey Mouse. You know, I, I don't get, I mean, if there are, obviously, the, I'll be I'll be honest. When the characters come around, I tell them, hey, don't worry about stopping here. There's, you know, little ones that are excited to see you at the next table. That That's how I would, you know, I take a very quick picture or just say hello to them. But I can remember as a kid, I mean, it was like, oh, he's coming around. They're coming. Oh, I, I wouldn't even eat because I'm just waiting for the characters to come. And I've been to other parks. I've been fortunate to, to travel to a variety of theme parks. And I've never had that same connection with any characters, whether it was, you know, Spider-Man at Universal or whether it was, uh, you know, whatever other character they were trying to, trying to show. 
And I think that connection is important. It, it brings us to our next topic on the list. Just the classic movies throughout the parks. I mean, we talk about, you know, Donald and Mickey and, and the gang and, you know, our favorite characters that we love so much. But classic movies are everywhere in Walt Disney World. I mean, if you think about not just, I mean, not just the stuff lately, you know, Disney Pixar, but Peter Pan's Flight in Fantasyland. Everyone loves it. Dumbo, that's an old, very, very much older movie, and everybody loves it. I mean, you have classic movies everywhere, and that, that, it's a Disney bubble. It's a nostalgia factor. It's where everyone could be a kid because you're transported back to those memories you had as a child. And those memories you had, you know, seeing Peter Pan for the first time in person. And all of a sudden he's running around and jumping and having a great time and saying, saying hello to you. He makes you feel important. Like the characters are so important to that, but also the classic movies for that nostalgia factor. Yeah. And the classic movies are, are they appear in a lot of different ways. So, you know, you obviously have the characters. That's for sure the probably the biggest kicker. But you have some attractions. You know, Matt mentioned a couple there, and, and you have various pictures and posters, and I mean, just they pop up in different ways. You have music throughout the park that will take you back to a classical movie. You have the the uh, the Sorcerer's Game that's in the Magic Kingdom. It centers around classic Disney movies as you're trying to uh, kind of solve the case. So. The Sorcerers of Magic Kingdom, I believe, is the name of the game. And so, yeah, he's right. The classic movies pop up everywhere throughout the parks. And you go back home and you, and you want to watch that movie again. I mean, as we talked about shows earlier, is is Finding Nemo a classic movie? I don't know. Probably. I mean, is Lion King a classic movie? Absolutely. No, I, I'm with you. I think the uh, the classic movies throughout the parks are, are a huge kicker for Disney World. And one of the things we've talked about, and like, it's crazy. We haven't really talked about our favorite rides yet, Tom. We haven't said like, we go to Disney for this ride. Like, if you, if you guys can listen to us and hear this, like, we go to Disney for the attractions, but we go to, go to Disney for so much more than that. But talking about the attractions, like, let's just talk if you're a parent or, you know, you're somebody that might be disabled in a wheelchair that would like to go to Disney. You still get to experience everything. And that's, that's the Disney difference. Um, just so just talking about attractions and rides. You know, th- there's wheelchair accessibility on every attraction. You can get on anything you want to get on, whether you go from the backside and you get on the end of the ride and you get to ride, you know, throughout. G- well, g- give or take. I mean, I- I'm start- I'm thinking through. I'll put it like this. Disney does a better job than any park in the world at trying to make all their rides accessible for everyone. You know, I, I don't know how much they can do on Rock and Roller Coaster or an Expedition Everest type attraction, but... As it relates to any boat rides, I mean, they have they have special boats where it makes it a lot easier if if you do have someone in your party that needs to remain in a wheelchair but also wants to experience the magic of rides. They they have you know at, through this list, we haven't hit one individual age group or one individual thing. We've we we went from golf to character meet and greets. I mean, that's probably two pull you know total opposite ends of the age age range. And, but what Disney does is they have attractions for all ages as well. And some of that is dictated due to the height of your child. So, you know, you, you may go with another family and one five-year-old can ride Space Mountain and one five-year-old can't. You know, if one, it's, it's not an age thing. It is a height thing. But they have what's called a child swap. And I don't know that every theme park does this. So what Disney will do is if, you know, you have two children and one's not big enough to ride in that, that example – you know, one parent will ride with the, the child that's tall enough, and then they'll actually let the child ride again with the other parent. And so that's just, it's just trying to make it as as easy and inclusive as possible. 
I mean, that's what Disney is trying to do with this. And we love it. Um, that That's something that, you know, we've, we've all had friends that might have disabilities or might have, you know, friends that are parents that take their child. And, you know, you never want to see one mom or one dad sitting waiting for their waiting for their their family to get off the ride and they didn't get to experience it. So and we've definitely used that. And I mean, my family has definitely, you know, when I was little, you know, I had a little brother and you know, sometimes he couldn't ride everything I could. And so we did the, you know, the, the parent swap or child swap. Um, one, one thing that you don't really hear about a lot is, um, you know, you can actually go to Disney World and not have to worry about stepping in gum. We, we've talked about it on this podcast, but I cannot tell you how many theme parks I've gone to where it's just the Disney difference is so clear because of how dirty the theme park is. And it's perfect in the beginning of the day, but by the end of the day, it just looks like, you know, a party was a party was thrown and no one cleaned up. Yeah, so Disney takes cleaning to a new level. And this was important to us and Disney World. And again, when I we are focused on Disney World in Orlando, Florida. But I'm going to say Disney as a company takes cleaning to a whole new level because that's kind of in their DNA, in their culture. That's in the, you know, the fabric of what Walt Disney wanted. You know, a trash can every 30 steps. We're not going to sell gum in the parks. We're not going to have trash sitting on the floor. That's all really, really important. But I think in the current, you know, COVID world we're in right now, it's it's even more important that Disney has these standards in place. And we've seen as the parks have started to open back up, just the extensive measures that Disney's taken to ensure that they're doing everything they can to make the park safe and as clean as possible. And they are committed to excellence in this. This is not a, we'll try and we'll try, we'll do better next year. No, excellence is the goal for Disney World. And there's not a theme park in the world. And I'll say, and I'll say you compare it to Walt Disney World that has the, if you gave that foot traffic to any other park in the world, they couldn't handle it. I mean, it would be an absolute, it smelled like a sewer. It smelled like New Orleans smells. It smelled like trash. Yeah, it's it's also unbelievable. I had a friend, and I've told this story before, who his job was, you know, Epcot World Showcase. He he just cleaned up trash all day, and he was a college kid. But the Disney culture and the Disney, you know, way that they treat their cast members allows them to have fun while doing that. So I think that's a that's a big difference. You know, we always say the Disney cast members should get paid more, and they should. But you know, you're not going to find any employee at Disney who's upset to pick up your trash, which you know you should never have your trash on the ground. But Disney just goes above and beyond beyond that. And you know, kind of dovetailing here to um, one of our last couple of topics is that Walt Disney World, you can actually travel around the world. I don't know who all has done that before, but I haven't traveled all the way around the world, you know, just geographically, you know, on an airplane, but I can do that at Walt Disney World, and I can experience cultures that I have never experienced before, and I can talk to cast members. This is probably one of the the biggest game changers that Disney World, the biggest advantages Disney World has over the competition. You know, a theme park is a theme park is a theme park. Uh, a throw out is a throw out is a throw ride. Now there are exceptions to that rule. Flight of Passage is one of those. Rise of the Resistance is one of those, and I'm sure there are exceptions in other parks as well. But you can't travel around the world. You don't have Epcot, other places. The World Showcase is the most unique experience at Disney World, bar none. And I know there are really really good attractions, and there is technology that we've never seen before that we continue to be put in attractions. But the ability to travel to, you will say, 11 countries and have the opportunity to interact with people from those countries. And, and Disney does the best they can to give you an authentic experience of what it's like to have 
a snack or a drink from that country, you can do that in Epcot. And the World Showcase is is a uh, if you ask a 12 or 13 year old, they probably have they don't have any interest in it at all. If you ask, you know, 5 to 11, you know, with some of the kid caught activities, they love it. If you ask, you know, well maybe maybe 13 to 20, it's not that big of a deal to you, but once you hit 21, it kind of changes the game. And so yeah, traveling around the world in Epcot is an advantage that Disney World has over all of its counterparts as well as all of the competition in the theme park industry. And I'll, I'll say really quickly, um, Tom, you mentioned that you can travel to 11 different countries in Epcot's World Showcase. And obviously, America is one of them, right? But when you're walking through the World Showcase and you get to America, you have forgotten that you're actually on American soil for a little bit. You're walking through all these countries and you get back to America and it's the halfway point and you can see everything around you. And it just kind of opens your eyes to what Disney actually did there. Disney let you go on a, you know, a vacation for, you know, every 300 yards and 400, 500, I don't know how many yards it is, guys. Don't quote me on that. But everywhere you go, you're all of a sudden immersed in a new culture. And then you get back to America and you dive right back in, you know, whichever direction you're going. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, that that's kind of funny that it's in the middle. I've never thought of it like that. That you are, that you have kind of gone through these countries. You know, Pete and I, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, Pete and I did talk on one of the Patreon episodes about the, the, how authentic some of the countries are. And, you know, Morocco being one that we focused on as we discussed the World Showcase. But it, it is, I mean, it's, it's a, it's one of a kind. I don't want to say it's once in a lifetime because, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's just as good to go to the Moroccan pavilion in Epcot as it is to go to Morocco. But it's a really unique experience for, you know, you take your family and you take your children and you want them to experience, you know, just a small glimpse into another culture. You can do that at Epcot. The last differentiator that we have for Walt Disney World is is on pause right now. And that's due to, you know, Disney's reopening plan with, with coronavirus still within, you know, within our country, state of Florida, all, all that jazz. But parades and fireworks shows, we're, we're kind of putting those together as one. You know, I, I have personally been moved by firework shows. I see every time I've ever been to Disney World, someone that is just emotionally, they feel something when they see these firework shows. You don't so much see it in the daytime parades, but you probably saw it some in the nighttime parades. It's it's some of my favorite memories as a child. I know it's some of my, my mom's favorite memories is go, of going to Disney World. But the parades and the fireworks shows and then the projection shows that they have that they've kind of incorporated in, into the, I don't want to say it's like a preview to the fireworks show because it's certainly a part of it throughout the entirety of it. But like in Hollywood Studios, for example, they, they do have a, a few different projection shows that preview before the Galactic Spectacular. This is, I mean, it's, it's, it's my wife's favorite thing at Disney World. And that says a lot. We've listed so many things that what makes Disney World the best. And we've talked about visiting Disneyland or visiting Universal, and she's like, "Well, they don't have, they don't have uh, happily ever after at the end of the night." I mean, it just kind of it just closes your day really well. A hundred percent, and that's how we're closing this this podcast off is just talking about the parades and the fireworks. And we've talked about our favorite parades on past episodes. Please go back and listen to that. Um, you know, I don't know if you'll be able to clearly tell which time we talked about the parades, but um, the parades are awesome. And, you know, the, the shows and the fireworks, I mean, Fantasmic is one of my favorite things in the entire world. And I've seen it a hundred times now. It never gets old to me. Um, 
you know, everything that happens on Cinderella's Cinderella's Castle and the Magic Kingdom. You know, we're on the same show here for a little bit, but like all of the shows they've done so far have just been amazing. I mean, like Tom said, you know, people are moved to tears when they see this. And I think it also brings back everything we've talked about, the Disney bubble, but also, you know, those shows are not shows. I shouldn't say that. Those movies you watched when you were a kid and all of a sudden they're all on Cinderella's Royal Castle and they're just bigger. They're bigger than life. And they're there and everyone's singing along and dancing and having a really good time just remembering what it was like to be a kid. So I think that Disney does a great job in closing closing every park every night, except for, you know, Rivers of Light for Tom. But Disney does a great job in closing every park with an amazing show. I mean, it's like the, at Epcot, it's like the 4th of July every single night. It's just so cool. Yeah, it, it's incredible. And I, I don't have much more to add on that note. I mean, that that is, that's why. I mean, all those items and, and things we talked through, that's what makes Disney World in Orlando, Florida, the best theme park in the world to us. Now, would I appreciate if they brought back a nighttime parade? Absolutely. Do I? Do we campaign for that on this podcast far too often? Probably so. But at least you don't have to hear Pete talk about the great movie ride on this episode. So we didn't have to uh, suffer through that. But going to, um, I, I'm going to go ahead and take us to the secret and trivia question of the week. So secret of the night. Did you know all the plants in Tomorrowland are actually edible? That's because the land is themed off of the future. And in the future world, it would likely we'd likely focus on sustainable development, which is kind of funny as you look at solar and energy efficient cars and what we're doing today. I mean, think back to the vision of this. But yeah, so everything is everything is edible in Tomorrowland, but Disney would prefer that you don't eat these plants. They do spray them with pesticides and they could be dirty. Uh, so so don't actually reach down and eat those plants. Going to the trivia question of last week. This was, this was one of my favorite trivia questions we ever had. Why was the drop created in Walt Disney World's Pirates of the Caribbean? So we had a ton time of... Time out, time out, time out, time out. I don't think I was on this episode. I kind of want to <laughs> kind of want to guess here. Yeah. No, you can't. I'm not going to let you guess. You know, you had a, we had a ton of different people submit answers and guesses, but the drop was actually created to avoid the Walt Disney World Railroad that was running on a continuous loop around the exterior of the park. So... You know, as we had mentioned, Pirates of the Caribbean begins with an eerie ride through dark caves where you see mermaids and skeletal remains and all that jazz. But at the end of the caves, you enter into a dark tunnel and where you suddenly plunge down a small hill into the middle of a vicious battle between a pirate ship and a coastal fort. I, like many guests, assumed that this drop existed just for extra thrills on the attraction, but it serves a functional purpose. It's there so that you can avoid the continuous loop of the railroad track that they had built. This is actually a massive show building if you look at Disney from like an aerial picture. And it was built outside of the track's loop. So guests had to pass down the, the hill in order to go underneath the railroad tracks. So that's I I'd never I never knew that. And that was one that I came across and thought we had to share on the on the podcast. Just for the record, guys, that would not have been my guess. Yeah, I didn't think so. That's why I just kind of dismissed it. But we do have a trivia question of this week. So trivia question of this week, a little bit easier, definitely a simpler answer. I want a rough estimate because Disney's constantly expanding. But how many square miles does Disney World encompass? So you can tweet us at podcast or email us at mendowww at gmail.com with your guesses. You know, I was sitting here looking around to Pete, but I guess it's me doing the closing. So that's all for us this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on Twitter at Podcast. If you have any suggestions uh, or ideas, please tweet us or email us at mendowww at gmail.com. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, please continue to subscribe, leave us a review, tell a friend about us. We, you know, we appreciate you guys listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. Uh, my last closing note, I do want to mention we have a Patreon that we're releasing roughly four episodes a month on now. As the parks have now started to open, we plan to expand that platform. But you can reach us at www.patreon.com backslash WDW if you'd like to join. You get access to all the episodes we've previously recorded, um, as well as any new content that will that will come out. I will say it's actually a forward slash, not a backslash, but it's a forward slash. <laughs> you, 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 you can find us if you'd look for us. Yeah, just type in MendoWW on Patreon on Google, and it'll take you to our page. We appreciate the support from our current Patreons and would love others to jump on board. But uh, as I mentioned, appreciate the support, appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you next week.